So hello everyone, welcome to the seventh episode of Talking Observability podcast. And today we have with us Van, who is from Epsagon. Uh, Van, do you want to introduce yourself and let, let us know about your, your journey in observability and how did you get started? And was it exciting or just another timing thing in your life? Perfect. So uh, hi everyone again, my name is Van. I'm based out of uh, Tel Aviv uh, in Israel. Uh, in the past several years, I've been uh, leading Epsagon. I'm the CTO uh, at, and the co-founder at Epsagon. Uh, really started the all observability journey once it was very, uh, you know, very early in the days and what it me meant and how each and every individual interpreted that. Um, in my a bit, you know, longer background, I used to serve at the IDF doing a lot of cybersecurity, uh, cloud infrastructure, etc. at my background. Um, and, you know, I would actually really love to jump into what's, what's observability to me or how do I see that in a, very, uh, in a very nutshell. So actually one step backward even, let's speak about monitoring, how we started. We started with trying to understand what's the health of the system. System, product, application, each one can take it to its own. And that's where we came with monitoring, just to get the vital signs whether our application is working properly or not. But then our applications became, uh, I would say, starting from a little bit complex all the way to really, really complex. And we needed to do something more in-depth, something more, I would call it advanced or sophisticated in order to really understand what's happening. Because it's, not longer, it's no longer just looking at number of 500 errors or just looking at the latency, which, is, which are part of the golden signals. It's really about understanding how a request propagates through the system, how a request impacts your different services across your you know, complex stack, et cetera. So observability to me is really understanding the inner uh, depth of the application and being able to you know, uh, roll your sleeves and, and get into the problem when there is a problem and everybody has some problem at least once a week, uh, hopefully less than, but uh, you know, at least once a week. Definitely, like as we are moving to this more microservices distributed world, the problems and the, those unknown unknowns are very prominent. So you have to deal with them every now and then. And at that time, monitoring is really, monitoring can do some part of it. You can't really get insights and then get insights, get, get inside the system and ask questions. That, that can't be happening with monitoring at all. So yes, yeah. as, as you brought up the interesting point, the interpretations and uh, specifically interpretations of observability. So uh, as we know, like there are different interpretations by different people, organization. And so most of most, mostly the definition has been modified as per the needs so as per the requirements of uh, understanding of individual, right? So, and uh, some of those definitions are very close to the the standard observability definition, uh, and some of them are not. So how do you define observability? Or what's your definition? What, what's your interpretation of observability? Yeah, I think that the most straightforward one is uh, observability equals traces, metrics, and logs. I think this is kind of the base level definition of what it takes to have an observability. But to me, it doesn't mean that if you have traces, metrics, and logs, this is observability. So let's start first with the basics. Uh, you know, metrics, okay, we all know them. Logs as well, everybody knows what, what logs is. You, you start your first application with console.log hello world, so everybody knows that. And then there are traces, which helps us understand 
where every every element happens in the system or between microservices, which is great. This is why distributed tracing helps us. But I've even seen organizations that are doing all three of them, but still are not able to observe their system because things aren't working um, together. So, you know, uh, let's say an example. You have a problem with your database and it seems that the system is working slowly than expected. So, okay, yes. what you'll do first is uh, probably you'll get an alert that, you know, the CPU of the, this database is very high. Then you need to figure out in the logs, um, probably you'll get into the logs because that's the next go-to for engineers, uh, trying to identify some keywords to find, trying to see where in the logs it's correlated. This is problem number one. You don't have any exact correlation between, okay, high CPU, errored logs. Now, even if you find this in a, in a monolith, it's pretty basic because you know there's just one monolith, one database, everything seems fine. But if you have a database that serves different services or different functionalities within that service, for example, if it's a different serverless functions or different uh, pieces of microservices or even different microservices, now it's only not just the log of the database, it's also you know, in between five or 10 different uh, callers that can call the database, which one is the most pro problematic? How customers are actually being impacted from which services, from which APIs, from which endpoints, so it means that even if you have traces now, let's find from a certain log the trace of each and every call and try to aggregate them and try to analyze them. It really becomes a pain. So I think I'll, I'll take okay. it step forward is being able to combine all three in a, let's call it in a product, in a solution, in an experience that is seamless. I have a problem in the database. I know what are the uh, errored logs, what's, what's actually the problem. And then I know where it originates from and the old path from end to end, how it impacts customer, where it meets my environment, whether it's some cloud environment or a Kubernetes cluster, all comes together and not, uh, not as an individual pillars, but as a, you know, one holistic experience. So that's, that's I think, observability yep. to me. And definitely completely agree with you, uh, agree with you on that part because uh, even in my perspective, the data collection part, I, I feel the data collection is a solved problem these days because there are so many ways to collect data. There are so many ways to collect good good data. But yeah. then uh, the whole value shifts to platform. What you can provide on top of the data? Can you correlate it? Can you contextualize that data? Can you provide insights just using that data? Can you answer abstract questions? Exactly. And that's where the value lies in and that's where... Uh, uh, even you folks are working on creating something which can actually deliver that, or uh, it, it exactly. can actually deliver some part of it, maybe. So yes, as as I know, like you you basically focused on servers and containers for a while, and uh, so why like uh, why did you pick that particular area and why that was like area of interest when, as as uh, you're talking about observability is like very application level, like so it can it it can uh, be infrastructure, it can be uh, different parts of your application system in general. So why specifically focusing on serverless and containers and what was your uh, thoughts around it? That's a great question. Um, when we looked first at the market, it seems that simple applications usually need simple solutions. So, you know, if you have just a monolithic application, you know, a centralized logging solution would give you everything that you need, even without metrics. You can generate metrics outside of the logs, like, uh, you know, Kibana and Elastic, etc. When the application becomes complex, 
like uh, you know microservices, serverless containers, Kubernetes, especially when cloud is involved, when you're utilizing several cloud resources, it's really it's getting to be a chaos mode. You don't understand which services are calling what. Uh, you know where are your entry points to your application. Everything everything becomes event driven. It really becomes chaotic, and that's where observability is really really needed. Not not the uh, you know simple observability of uh, metrics and logging, but complex observability of understanding. You have uh, a bottleneck that comes from that API when you know. Uh, users are making these types of calls. You want to get alerted next time it happens, get an alert. If you want to see, you know, just like we had before profilers, uh, you know, profiling my code, every segment, every function within the code, now we need the same, but it's not uh, within a single uh, thread or a single process. It's between different process, different services, different clusters, different AWS accounts, different environments, but you need to see that. You need to see how long your codes uh, or your business logic uh, spent across uh, different services. So ultimately we boil down into serverless and microservices uh, because it's really taking the complexity of the application uh, at least an order of magnitude more than what we used to have. And that's where you need the solution. And it's even harder to implement your own solution uh, in that areas. Totally, yes. Uh... Definitely like makes sense because as we are moving more towards container native deployments and then uh, serverless is becoming a uh, very used thing in most of the organizations as organizations start with serverless in the first place. So mm -hmm. that definitely uh, has, has a great potential and uh, people need something around that. So kind of trying to solve, solve that problem is a good thing in general. So as you are dealing with these problems and as you are figuring out, okay, this will be our problem space and this is the problem space we want to build the solution for. So you might have came across different challenges, right? Means in general, uh, what different challenges you have observed in this particular space with applications, serverless containers in general that customers face in day-to-day -day life and those are not yet solved. Or like there are different ways people are trying to solve, but there's no ideal way that has been solved it. So what will be those challenges you uh, observed or your journey with observability? Yeah, the most important one, and that's what we address. You know, obviously I'm a bit biased towards what Epsagon did. So, you know, I'm just one opinion okay. among uh, many, <laughs> but, you know, speaking to hundreds of customers and, you know, thousands of, you know, people from the community, number one problem is almost always seem to be troubleshooting. There is a problem, now, what do I do next? Where do I go? To which log? How do I understand which user got impacted? How do I know what service A, you know, communicated with service B? Because service A is my responsibility and service B is the other team responsibility. Being able to troubleshoot in an efficient way, that's number one problem. Starting from the, you know, from the engineer itself all the way to the team lead and the architect. It's not like somebody can solve it easily. It seems like along all of the chain of people, people are struggling with, uh, with solving this. And you know, when troubleshooting becomes a pain, people are becoming more frustrated. Uh, bugs can turn, you know, from, uh, I don't know, a few minutes of investigation to hours of investigation, gathering everybody in the same room, trying to understand, you know, what happened, who's responsible to it, what they need to fix, et cetera. Uh, so troubleshooting is um, number one uh, thing that we find out. 
And in more, uh, I would say, advanced uh, organizations or more, you know, uh, more established and usually more advanced in their journey of, uh, you know, adopting microservices and serverless, et cetera, it also became, becomes optimization. So, okay, a user buys something on our website, a user, you know, uh, requests a ride on, on Uber, but what happens next? How long it takes from end to end? Where can we improve that? Because, you know, you click on order a ride and it takes, you know, sometimes five or six seconds until you start to see the loading section. But why it's five or six seconds? Why it's not a second? Where is it the Kafka? Is it the cluster? Is it networking? Is it what, what you know, what uh, creates this problem? So optimization becomes like the second most common problem when organizations becomes a bit more mature with their business and their application. Cool. So you are basically trying to deal with both triaging and non-triaging use cases in general. Uh, but again, depends on the customer profile, what they want to solve and what different problems they are facing in general. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so one interesting question here, right? As uh, we are talking that under the umbrella, we are solving the triaging use cases, the troubleshooting use cases, even uh, some of the optimizations and some dashboarding to an extent. So apart from this, the definition has been expanding over the years. Like there are so many new things people are coming up with and then adding that under observability umbrella. Observability basically becoming an umbrella term these days. So what different interesting use cases you see that will, will become part of, the, part of this wide range of tools we have to provide observability and Maybe like the Gartner report, we say there are critical capabilities of this particular thing. What different things you uh, see are becoming critical capabilities of observability tools in general? Yeah, uh, it definitely broadening up, you know, back in the days observability was almost like saying monitoring and then, you know, it started to grow and grow. I think at this point, as you mentioned, observability is more of a buzzword. Uh, like, you know, you would say uh, AI, machine learning, uh, you know, et cetera. It's kind of a, an aggregation of everything that can be under the same umbrella. And this is the coolest kid in town that you can say, you'll say observability, you'll get the yes. attention of, you know, everybody in the room. Um, except for the obvious thing that we mentioned before, I think observability will grow into more areas of uh, holistic uh, uh, kind of aggregation. So one thing is uh, gathering data, not just from traces or from metrics or from logs, but gathering data from, uh, the cloud environment and the Kubernetes cluster and the client side, and potentially will go into also security and networking. I mean, you know, our application needs security. It needs to understand what happens there. There's already, you know, observability or visibility and security uh, segmentations. I think both will kind of, to some extent, merge together or at least speak the same language. Um, potentially cost will come into observability as well. It's kind of, Ultimately, your product is your business. If you need to observe your product, it's not just when it goes down, it's also when it's working, but cost uh, you know, goes high, or there is a security problem, or your client side doesn't work properly because that's also your experience. So it's kind of more of an holistic view. Then the second thing that I think might come in more and more is uh, insights or recommendation systems that will take place to tell you what's the right thing. Uh, because let's say you're working with an elastic, uh, as, as a consumer, you're using Elastic as part of your backend. 
what's the best practices to run Elastic? There's probably, you know, so many customers struggling to configure it the right way, how many shards, how many indexes, how to put my data in the right way, mm -hmm. how to make the right query, what kind of queries there are. So if there was, you know, some magical system that understand so many other cases where Elastic works, where it works good and where it works bad, Imagine yourself as a, you know, magical oracle that will tell you, look, the way to run your Elastic is by setting this type of query and set four shards in instead of two shards. And that way you'll, uh, you know, improve your experience. So a uh, kind of a thing of, uh, you know, insight engine or recommendation engine that understand how the system works and tells you what's, what you should do in order to optimize or prevent uh, problems. Ooh. These are definitely like interesting use cases in general. And uh, some of those things will really help users to just stick to one tool to get so many things done. And that's what we need at this point because there are so many tools for doing different things that uh, it's it's basically overwhelming to an extent. So if we can get a uh, lot of things done under done under the same umbrella, it's it, it's really providing some value that definitely makes sense. And if it comes to, we will definitely name you a thought leader. Or uh, if it doesn't, then we will sue you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, so talking about, uh, as we were briefly chatting about it earlier, that uh, open telemetry is, again, another cool kid in the market. And uh, there the, the, the are ways to like now, Collect, vendor, collect data in a vendor neutral format. Right? And so what are your thoughts around it? And how do you process all that part? Do you use open telemetry or uh, where's it, how, how, how it goes with your folks? Yeah, so it started back then with open tracing uh, and also open census, they yes. both merged into open telemetry. I think it's great to have this standard, but one thing, you know, for all customers or all you know, users, engineers, DevOps, SREs out there that saying, oh, we got an open source alternative to, uh, you know, that will run this. Open telemetry is indeed an open source, but unlike, you know, like Redis, Mongo, uh, and other open sources, it's not a product, it's a framework. It's, a, it's an SDK that you can implement on your own. It's almost, as I would tell you, uh, you have, in uh, Python, the logging module, or in Node, you know, Winston and Banyan and whatever, this does, just allows you to generate logs, but then you need something to actually do with the logs because you don't, you can't print the logs to STD out and yes. figure out afterwards. <laughs> you need to get them into Elastic, Splunk, or any similar solution. So Open Telemetry, I think, is doing great with uh, standardizing the way traces should be created uh standardize the way that you know tags and context context uh should be added to uh spans in general standardize the way we're speaking about traces what is a span what is a context how do we propagate a trace allows the community to build uh everything which is also great you know with open source uh but then again when adopting such a thing you need to understand that okay just one step out of a bigger step that you know taking open telemetry and implementing it in your code. That's exactly what Epsagon is doing. It takes open telemetry and yes. with a simple import, a simple include, you're getting, you're getting it running across your old stack. So uh, the, I think, you know, trying to summarize, summarize it up, it's great. Uh, it's great to have something like open telemetry that the community understands 
educates the community, helps the markets, uh, you know, grow together. Uh, and then there is a solution on top of it or solutions in plural uh, that helps take it to a next level, to a simpler level, to more advanced, more, you know, uh, more things that can be offered on top of it. Definitely, yes. And the more standardization in general really uh, helps to bring everyone on the same page. Uh, another question around the same lines. Uh, any thoughts on EBPF? As uh, it has been talked a lot around uh, recently on Twitter and everywhere else. So any thoughts around it and exploring it? Do you have any use cases around it? Yeah. So we specifically don't use eBPF, but I heard a ton of cases where eBPF starting to get really, you know, really great. Uh, not necessarily all in observability or monitoring, also for security, profiling, networking, which is, runs great. There is a big benefit to it where you don't need to be installed within the code base, but just on the host level, which, uh, you know, may be okay. a simpler setup. Uh, I do see it as a great thing because sometimes you need to choose another path. Sometimes you can't change something in the code. Sometimes you can't install something on the host. You know, like take for example, Lambda, you can't install eBPF. Vice versa, take for example, an old monolithic application that, you know, maybe you don't have access to the code anymore. Or it's really, really old, but you still need to observe it. Uh, so it's kind of another utility or another uh, tool set uh, that helps you gain uh, observability and it's great i do see a lot of use cases for it it's starting to be very very uh, you know adopted in the community more and more com uh, companies are offering uh, ebpf as part of their solution uh, so it's another great to have this uh, together with everything cool yes so even i'm getting my i'm getting i'm trying to wrap my head around ebpf and how things work and how uh, the different use cases can work around so yes Definitely, we can chat about that complete part sometime else, I guess. Uh, but but yes, like all of these things which are trying to standardize are trying to simplify the collection aspect of it. Getting data is becoming easier. That really opens up a lot of value conversation, right? Now we don't have to worry about how we can collect data. Now we have to worry about how we can provide value. Yeah, and, and, and what? that's the most... Yeah, and also what do we do with the data? I mean, you know, it's like Correct. logs a decade ago, you had places to store the logs, but, you know, think of a word without searching like Kibana or without gaining insights yes. like Splunk. You, you need the collection is done, now make something out of this data. Yes. And that's what we all are trying to build. So <laughs> yeah. let's see where that lands us. Uh, so that, that, that uh, brings us to a last question of the whole conversation. And it's more around what, what advice you will give to people uh, who are listening to this and who are just getting started observability or trying to uh, make their systems easy to debug in general. So what will be your advice for those people? Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, I would say first that if you don't have any problems, you know, from your own perspective, obviously you can't always see the old company, et cetera. Don't do anything. I mean, if everything works, keep the way you're doing it. If, you know, debugging is not a pain, don't try to over design or overlook for, you know, potential problems. And if you do have problems, if your system becomes a pain, your product, you know, when a customer comes and complains, it takes you hours to understand and it feels like a hot potato where everybody, you know, 
put the blame on some other team just to uh, get around it. Uh, that's where you need the solution. I would say start uh, first, look for educating yourself, read about open telemetry, read about eBPF, read about you know, potential solutions, understand really what, what you need across you know, the whole ecosystem. And then once you're feeling mature enough, and it's not only you, I mean, uh, usually it's hard to uh, adopt such a solutions when it's an individual person. It helps when there is a team or at least, you know, a couple of uh, teammates. Uh, pick a yes. few tools to evaluate. You know, you can, for anything that you'll probably request, there is at least two to 10 different tools that can do this. So pick two or three that you think that are the right ones. And as an engineer, understand which one helps you achieve something better in your business not because it's a cool product not because it has a great name try to understand really what solves your business need what from the first place you came because let's say troubleshooting takes long so now i will measure which of the tool sets will make my troubleshooting times shorter um, and that way you can pick a solution and from that point you know you it's kind of it will be true i guess for everything you know that you want to solve but uh you know, with observability, I'm more than happy to help, you know, on a personal level, if there is any question like, you know, what should I do next? I have a Flask application running on Lambda, running on that. How do I monitor that? How do I'm happy to help in an individual way, but uh, this is kind of a more uh, generic way of, I have a problem, now what's next? Definitely, and that's a great advice to start with problem space first. Understand uh, what, Really, the what really you're trying to solve, and then uh, going towards a solution instead of starting it in a reverse way that there's some cool solution I want to adapt, and now I'm trying, trying to find problems in my system which I can solve it. Yeah, <laughs> which is what sometimes even happens. Like I, I have came across customers who are who just want to use that product, and then uh, they're trying to find problems in their system, which can, they can solve with those products. And which is, again, as you said, it's not ideal way to do things. Uh, so definitely, yes, explore your problem space and then uh, explore the solution which can solve your problems and then settle on something. Cool, exactly. yes, so it was great talking to you and, and uh, like very good insights around a lot of things. and. Uh, I hope it will help people who are getting started to observe ability. Uh, so thanks everyone who joined. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Anne on Twitter or maybe even I will uh, drop an email ID or Twitter handle on the description. So you can definitely go and reach out to him. And yes, so thanks for joining in and hopefully you will join us in the next one. Have Thank a good you very day. much.